You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're finally talking about visual novels. What are they? We figured it out for you. Are they books? Should you count them as reading? Are they not books? Are they just erotic games? We'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, we figured it out for you. But first, what are you reading, Bria? My friend sent me a book and said, and it's a friend I really trust, but I'm not very far into the book, but I'm going to talk about the book. Um, And it's a book called Anthem by Noah Hawley. Um, H-A-W-L. I've heard this author is wicked good. Okay. I've never read anything of his, but I know him. He works in the television world, and I am a fan of his work in TV. Um, What really drew me in was not the story, but apparently the writing style, and I'll agree with this, is very um, Kurt Vonnegut-like in that it kind of like meanders, and it has a lot of opinions, and it's very like quirky in the way it's written. So I really like that. But Trigger warnings right now for suicide uh, and and self-harm. But um, it takes place sometime in a future, but not really the future because it talks a lot about Obama and Trump without naming Trump. And it even brings up like QAnon conspiracies. It's very, very of the time right now. But it takes place in a time like that. Um, and during this time, there is a plague of teen suicides. So it's a very dark book, but also like cleverly written. And it kind of follows this conservative judge who may get put on the Supreme Court, a woman. And then um, her son, who was in um, an anxiety uh, mental health center. Um, And that's about as far as I am. Um, uh, And it is very weird. It's super weird fiction. Um, I would not say it's for everyone, but my friend knows me really well and knows I love Vonnegut, I think. I think that's why he recommended it to me. But, man, it is, I think it will be really divisive for a lot of people. Like, it's not necessarily the easiest read, and it's not necessarily, like, 100%. The the politics are very much, like, on the page, but in a way that makes you really question yourself. (laughs) Um, So I think it's it's just a really interesting book so far, um, and it's called Anthem. Uh, What are you reading? I am reading an arc right now that I was asked to blurb. And when I tell you about it, you're going to be like, wow, yeah, Mallory, you are tailor-made to blurb Mm -hmm. this book. It is uh, the latest book in the Fright Watch series. It's called Unmasked, and it's by Lorian Lawrence. And it's about this teenage monster fan, and she likes making monster makeup, and she has really bad anxiety, and she is making a mask. Uh, She's sculpting a mask of a creature from the Black Lagoon-esque sea monster, and um, she has a hard time in school. She has a hard time making friends. She has this crush on this guy. And then on Halloween night, um, she ends up accidentally bringing this monster mask to life. Love and it. <laughs> it, she has to, and she ha- is forced to team up with some friends and, um, uh, you know, take down this monster that she that she created and figure out what's going on. And it's. One, it's full of monsters, which I love and monster talk. And obviously this, the main character is a huge horror fan. Uh, but it's really cool because it explores a lot of uh, themes about, you know, being an anxious teen, trying to figure out how to have friends. You know, if you love books about teen crushes, this is a great one for you. It's wicked, wicked fun. I have read, uh, I, the series is fantastic. I uh, I really like Lorian Lawrence's work. It's middle grade, by the way. Um it's just super fun. It's a great read for, I mean, any age. But if you are into horror and monsters, it's just a blast. Uh, so that is Unmasked by Lorian Lawrence. And mine is Anthem by Noah Hawley. 
So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Autumn writes in, I just wanted to suggest to anyone looking for a fun and possibly already on hand item to use for a bookmark, a photo booth picture strip. I have a bunch of photo booth strips from lots of different times in my life and I throw one into whatever book I'm reading when I need a bookmark. I try to mix them up by picking a new one for each new book I start, but it's so fun to open up to whatever I left off and see a cute picture of my husband and I smooching on our first date or my son when he turned two. I will say... I am also a big fan of the photo strip bookmark because they're really cute. There was also a time in my life where I just spent a lot of time taking photos in photo booths. Anytime there's a photo booth, oh, I was yeah. like, we got to get in there. Like, I like Same. it was going away or something, which I guess it did because now I don't ever think about that. But I think it's a great well, there's idea. Well, there's one in Mohawk Bend. It doesn't ever work. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> there's one in um, the Cha-Cha Lounge. And in Shortstop. But I, I yeah, and I used yeah. to go to bars more. That's, I mean, there's been a pandemic, to be fair, but. Yeah, you know what? That I didn't. I didn't think about that, but I feel like the pandemic has definitely cut into the photo booths. Wow, how are industry. photo booths doing? The photo booth industry. How are they doing now? Are they doing horribly? No one wants to get in that booth with somebody else. It's too small. Mm-hmm. Not not enough. Not enough ventilation. <laughs> Amber writes in and said. Loved the lightning struck heart recommendation. I guess we gave Amber a recommendation. It's even better on audio. I rarely laugh out loud when listening to books, but Gary, the amazing gay unicorn, gets me every time. Love the romance. This was from our queer romance uh, episode. Got it, got it, got it. But I especially loved the friendships. We all need friends like Gary and Tiggy. Recent queer romance that I loved. Oh, so more queer queer romance suggestions. A Marvelous Light by Freya Marsky. Um, A non-magical gentleman in Edwardian England accidentally gets assigned to a government position as a liaison to the magical world and works together with a grumpy magical aristocrat to solve a murder. That actually sounds fantastic. Bonus for lots of time spent sneaking covert romantic glances at each other in a library. I mean, what more could we possibly want? Thank you for helping <laughs> uh, keep me sane during these wild times. I'm a nurse practitioner and sneak back to my desk to listen to the podcast between seeing patients. Oh my gosh, you're very welcome, Amber, and thank you for your contribution to society as a nurse. Yeah, seriously. I, I saw um, a stand-up set recently um, and the, the comedian, she was just like, any, any nurses or teachers in the audience? How are you guys just not stabbing people right now? <laughs> Congratulations for not stabbing anyone. Amber, thanks for not stabbing anyone. If you did, we would totally understand. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. All right, quick bookmark from us. We've had uh, a few people who have written in asking us to tell them how to review the show. We always ask at the end of the show that you give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you review podcasts because it's really, really helpful for us. Uh, And a few people asked uh, for a tutorial. And so we're going to tell you right now, quick lesson, how you review reading glasses on Apple Podcasts. Bria, take us away. Okay, so here's how you do it. You need to go to the podcast app. Now, I just opened mine on my desktop. You could also do it on your phone, but that's the key here. You can't just do it online. You can't just go straight to our website or anything like that. You have to open the app. And if you, even if you type in Reading Glasses Podcasts Apple, it will take you to a page, and then you'll, you just go to listen on Apple Podcasts. Um, and also, if you are looking at – however you listen to us on Apple, if you listen to us on Apple – that should be probably through their app. I'm not totally sure how you listen. But um, so you're going to have to go to the Apple app. Um, if you don't have the Apple app, 
don't worry about this, okay? Just, <laughs> you're doing a great <laughs> job. <laughs> um, and then you need to go to our website, our, our actual page, our landing page. So go to the Reading Glasses page. And then if you scroll down, there will be a place where you can um, give us a little review, give us some stars. You'll see our stars. We have 1,253 ratings. We have a 4.9 rating. That's pretty great. Um, and you can write a review. That's higher than most books on Goodreads. <laughs> Very true. Um, you can read a review or you can uh, read a review. You can write a review or, and, and give us stars right there in, in that app. Um, you can also do it on your phone. Um, and it's a similar process. You need to actually go to our um, to the page for us. You can't just do it on like the little feed. You have to go to our page. So if you do that, we will love you forever because it really means a lot to us and it really helps us out uh, in many, many ways to get more five-star ratings and reviews. So thank you. Um, but before we talk about visual novels, we're going to take a quick break. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself. Bria, we love therapy. We suggest therapy all the time. We've had questions where people write in and they're like, I'm trying to figure this out. And we're like, well, here's a book for you, but also maybe therapy. Like we will <laughs> give that as advice to people. We really believe in therapy. It's important to go to therapy and 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 invest in yourself, invest in your life. And if the very least, if you can't convince yourself to invest in yourself, then invest in your mental health so you're not driving those around you away. <laughs> Just making yourself a person that's, that's, that you're taking care of yourself is important for you, but also for the people around you. Yeah. So every day I take my vitamins, I make sure I get enough sleep, I lift weights, and I also regularly go to therapy. It's just part of taking care of myself. Um, the world is really hard right now. Things are, you know, I have an anxiety disorder, but this feels like there's also just like a lot of free floating clouds of anxiety. You know, we have, we're all worried about the pandemic and about war and about finances and about politics and about all kinds of things. Um, and, you know, that's just in the greater world. Who knows what's going on with you? You know, me personally, I am very stressed out. I got a lot of stuff going on. And my therapist gives me a lot of tools to to deal with that and to stay, uh, you know, stay okay. Um, it's really, again, the best way to invest in yourself. And BetterHelp is online therapy that offers you ways to do that with video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Maybe you don't want to put on pants. Maybe you don't want to put on a bra. Maybe you don't feel comfortable being face-to-face -face with someone yet. And BetterHelp can accommodate all those feelings. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That's like overnight shipping for your mental health. So give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is obviously sponsored by BetterHelp and Reading Glasses listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash glasses. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash glasses. Glasses. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult, a depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kind of good. 
Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine. And they hardly ever say Bazinga anymore. So, after you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows, why not join the McElroy brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother and Me. week, after many, many requests for it, we are finally talking about visual novels. Do they count as books? Does playing them count as reading? Does this question even matter? Today, we're getting into it. Uh, So first up, let's define a visual novel. So a visual novel is a genre of video game that tells an interactive story. Lots of visual novel games do so primarily through text, but not all of them. Right. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little brief history about the visual novel. They originated in Japan, and until about 2006, they made up the vast majority of PC games there in Japan. And in Japan, there is a differentiation between visual novel, which is a linear story and very few interactive elements, meaning you're probably just... Like a, like you're playing it on your computer, you're probably just pressing a button to make it go forward. And then they differentiate between that and an adventure game which has more problem-solving elements, like you're going to play a couple, like, mini-games or something inside. That distinction has been kind of lost outside of Japan, and we sort of lump them all into the same category um, and call them all visual novels or adventure games. We call them all the same thing. Um, So we should just remember that going forward because I do think there's a difference between some of the ones Mallory and I played and that um, I think that in Japan they might be considered two different things. Um, so basically, you don't have a the interaction of a video game with a visual novel, even though you're playing it usually on a computer. Um, in fact, a lot of them, they're just that clicking forward to produce more text and changes within sound and picture. And basically, you're just moving the story along uh, with a few narrative choices. And unlike in a video game, they depend more on prose for the most part, just like a book, which is why we are talking about them. Uh, many of them have multiple narratives, so you can end up with different endings, sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure. Um, and they span many categories, but they usually fall into erotic, sci-fi, or horror. So, Bria, before we decided to do this episode, had you ever played a visual novel before? No, and I thought I hadn't really heard of them until I started looking into it more, and I was like, oh, yeah, some of these do sound familiar because they cross over into that video game world. Um, and I think there are things that we consider games sort of gameplay, um, but we don't think of them as visual novels. It kind of like, they, they're they in that gray area where like, is this a video game? Is this a novel? But no, I had never played one. What about you? I had heard of a few of them. Like I had heard the term before. Um, and even though I actually play a lot of video games, I hadn't played one of these before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad we tested these out though. Um, and I'd be interested in playing more of them because it was fun. Um so, okay, <laughs> what games did we, what visual novels did we test out for this episode? <laughs> okay, so I looked at a lot of horror sci-fi ones and I was like, I'm really going to like these. But then I was looking at like the ones that people rated top visual novels. And because so many of them have like, especially the original ones and like some of the early ones and a lot of the most popular ones are still have like a dating mechanism to them. It's like you're going on dates basically. So I did one of those. So I played the Doki Doki Literature Club. It's a literature club um, in which I am a high school boy 
Um, I, they called me he a num- number of times. I'm a high school boy, and I joined an after-school literature club, and there's four hot girls in there, and they all want to date me. Gentlemen <laughs> uh, <clears throat> out there, I will say, this is often how book clubs are, just full uh, of hot, hot people. <laughs> it's so true. Um, I kept sending Mallory screenshots. Um, I could not stop laughing at this. Because there were so many things that were very funny. We talked a lot about poetry and cupcakes. And then I got... To, and boobs. And and then there was a whole boob storyline where I buttoned this girl's shirt, uh, who I thought I was just friends with, but apparently it was more. I have to give a trigger warning, though, Mallory. Um, for boobs? No, for uh, self-harm. This ends what? in a really tragic way. I cannot say that if you are triggered by self-harm, you should not play this game. I, I, I don't want to spoil the game, Mallory, I'll tell uh, you after. If anyone wants to know what happened, reach out to me. I'll tell you on I Instagram. Do want, I, I do want, because now I'm invested. I you would We're keeping me abreast of all of the developments. So, all right. So first of all, let me just say, you do have to download Steam to play these if you're going to play them on a Mac. Did you have to download Steam to the, play the ones you played? Yeah, but I don't have a Mac. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the same, if to play these on Mac, you had to download Steam. I tried to get the Edith Finch one, which I think you played. I couldn't. I wanted to play this one because it was more in line with, I feel like, what a lot of people think of when they think of visual novels. And basically the whole thing was me just reading. And then a few times I had to make some choices like, who did I want to? So we had to write poems. (laughs) And I had to like pick these words. And it was like, I knew there was like a goth girl. There was like a girl who really liked happy stuff. There's a girl who's really artsy, and then there's the girl who's, like, my best friend. I don't know why I'm describing this game to y'all. But, um, and then I had to choose <laughs> words to put in my poem to try to, like, attract each girl. Because um, that's, I mean, that's the main reason why you write poetry, right? Yeah, to get yeah, babes. Yeah, exactly. So I did have to make those choices and decide, like, who to show it with for, to, for I had to make a couple of their small choices. Um, uh, but for the most part, it was just the reading and then making those kind of choices to try to attract whichever girl. I went with the goth girl. I kept trying to choose her. But then about midway, I really changed my mind. I was like, what about the girl I've known forever? Like, what if she's the girl I'm <laughs> supposed to be with? Anyway. Um, Plot it, twist. Um, I will say, I told Mallory, I was like, it is funny because there is a straight up, and I'll put this on our Instagram. There, I took some screenshots of like me buttoning a girl's blouse. But then there was also <laughs> like parts where it was like teaching me about poetry. Where it was like, oh, you know, poetry is like bubble. So it felt like it was aimed at like high school kids or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a real ride. I will tell you, I was giggling and I was giggling the whole way through because I kept being like, wow, these girls just love me. Like it didn't make me feel like, I was like, I understand why you play this game. I felt like all these girls wanted to date me, you know, and they were all very like bookish and like they liked different things. And one was kind of mean to me and one was really nice to me. And I was like, wow, this is just what it's like to be in a, in the Doki Doki Literature Club. (laughs) Um, Oh my God. But uh, yeah, so that's what I played. What did you play? You played many. Well, yeah, I consulted with many of my nerdy video game loving friends. And like you just said, Bria, when you were talking about the history of this, the sort of the the consensus across the board was everyone who I, every friend that I talked to was like, hey, everyone has different definitions of what a visual novel yeah. is. Yeah. But here's what I think. So I ended up picking three. I played What Remains of Edith Finch, uh, which my boyfriend Jeremy already had, uh, Device Six, and then Year Walk. Yeah. Um, uh, I like them all. Um, of the three, I think Device 6 was the most book-esque because it was more text-based than the other two. 
what remains of Edith Finch was on a computer on Steam. Uh, Device 6 and Year Walk were both on my phone. Mm. Um, what Remains of Edith Finch, they're all basically, they're all like horror-y, thriller-y, mystery. What Remains of Edith Finch is a mystery. Device 6 is, is a mystery. And Year Walk is a little more spooky, but it's also kind of folklore-y. Um, but they're all fun. Um, what Remains of Edith Finch really felt like I was in a mystery novel, but there's not as much text. You're like mm. walking around and you're seeing shit. It's much more like a video game. Um, right. And uh, mine was I like straight up, it was just text and pictures of cute anime girls. And then that's they would more like, like smile. Device Six was, but with no boobs. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd smile and they put their hands back and be like, "Oh, I'm embarrassed." And like that was like the whole <laughs> thing. And then they'd giggle and give me a cupcake. Wow. <laughs> there was I so much cup- that one. cupcake and tea talk. We talked about tea for like 15 minutes. Wow. I mean, you love tea though. I do love tea and cupcakes. It wasn't a bad move. There was one point where I was feeding a girl chocolate, and I was like, "Did someone write wow. this for me?" <laughs> Well, I'm glad that that's the one that you tested out. <laughs> Me too. Um, okay, so time for the controversial part of this episode. Does playing a visual novel count as reading or does it count as a book? Because um, that's the first thing I texted you. I was like, do you feel like you're reading right now while you are buttoning up this girl's shirt? Right, um, yeah. Because I, I took a poll about this on Twitter and the results were pretty evenly split, which was very interesting. I got a lot of opinions. Uh, it seems like everyone has a slightly different opinion on it and even a different opinion on, as I said, which games count as visual novels. Most people, though, seems like the general feeling is most people seem to think that playing them counts as reading if you want it to, but they don't count as books or something that you could track in your reading journal. I saw some glassers respond and they were like, I could count this as reading, but I don't think I would put it in my, my book journal. Uh, so, Bria, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, it's really tough. I, all I did was read to do it. I read probably as much as a short story or a novella. It took me maybe an hour to get through or something, maybe a little bit longer. And I read it pretty fast. Um, and then one idea involved poetry. So I read eight poems. And, like, we dissected them and talked about them. And, like, oh, this one's interesting for this reason. And, like, as the women wanted to tell me about their poetry and what inspired them. And, like, one of them, the head of the club, she was really smart. She was, she was, Monica was a real, was a real win. Uh, but they wouldn't let me try to date her. I don't know why. She, I guess because she's the head of the club. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but she would, like, explain stuff to me. So, it was like I read a narrative story in addition to all this poetry. I did go look it up on Goodreads because I was like, has anyone like given this a rating? Is this whatever? And there's not any, you cannot rate this on Goodreads. Um, but there's a lot of fan fiction spinoffs that you can rate. Oh, I am sure. Uh, yeah. You think what? You think you think uh, Natsuki and Monica aren't going to get together? Because of course they are. Um, <laughs> um, I would say... I did not put it in my reading journal, but, like, maybe I should because I do feel like I read a story from start to finish, and, like, if you counted a choose-your-own-adventure, this is no, this is less choices than a choose-your-own-adventure. And I would hmm. say, depending on the length of the choose-your-own-adventure, probably about the same amount of reading. Um, and I texted you about this where I was like, it's honestly more text than a graphic novel. Yes, so I did a lot of thinking about this because I was like, okay, how do we differentiate that playing a visual novel like this from reading a graphic novel? And for me, reading has to involve some sort of imaginative element, uh, like graphic novels, audiobooks, even print books. You're still imagining part of the story, even mm-hmm. if you're like seeing some pictures or hearing things. Graphic, because graphic novels, they don't show you movement and you don't hear the sounds and the voices. 
um, a lot of these games provide all those things, either movement. This one doesn't provide movement, but did you, were you hearing their hearing voices? No. Oh, interesting. Okay. No, it's all, it's um, just, it's like reading a book, but then you have like, you can see a picture of what the girls look like and they do move sometimes and smile at you. <laughs> and then <laughs> see, I'll that's see like a like, picture of the classroom, but that's like it. It's very, it was very simple. Cause I think it comes down to the game that you're playing. Like device six was mostly text-based. So I would even go call that like, I don't know, an interactive novella game. I'll take mm. some screenshots for you, but it is like, like the text like turns around and you have to like solve puzzles and stuff, but you were like mostly reading, even though like, um, it's kind of hard to, hard to describe. It's really fun. If you like mysteries and solving puzzles, um, device six is really great, but you're basically, you wake up and you are this girl and you're stuck in a room in like a lighthouse and you have to like walk around and try to figure it out. But like, it's narrate, like you were reading about yourself doing those things mm-hmm. in texts. Um, over like, but re- what remains of Edith Finch felt more like a game than a book. Like mm-hmm. it did, I did not feel like I was reading when I was doing it. Whereas device six, I definitely did. Overall, though, I mean, folks, you know how we feel on reading glasses. I don't think it fucking matters. If you want, like, if you play the Doki Doki Literature Club and Device 6 and you want to count it as reading, do it. Because I can definitely see how these playing these games would scratch the same itch as yeah. reading. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going through a story. Um, you know, you know how we feel here. If you want to make, like, I could totally see somebody making, like, a separate section of their book journal and be like, I read this many novels, this many audiobooks, this many graphic novels, this many visual novel games. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think that there is you know, a bit of snootery when it comes to games and gaming. Of course, it's the same thing with graphic novels. Yeah, and graphic novels. And this to me felt like a graphic novel. Like, to be fair, the, you know, I could see it's, there was some, like, it wasn't erotic. Mine wasn't erotic, but it was definitely about dating. And I think that that also would probably convince a lot of people like, well, this is not literature, you know? And I will admit, yes, I'm not reading a highbrow literature book, but I could see, like, if you were a young person and you were wanting, or not, you were just, like, like reading books about people dating. There was, it was, like, titillating. Like, I was like, oh, okay, feeding this lady chocolate now. Like, you know, like, I was, <laughs> it was an interesting yeah. enough story. I wouldn't say I'd give it, you know, five stars by any, by any, um, yeah. But I do think, I wonder about how much, Mallory, you think this is, people who vote against it, they see it as gaming, you know, and sure. and I think that there is like some snobbery when it comes to gamers. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but like you said, how is it different than like a choose your own adventure graphic novel or it, just a choose your own adventure book? I I think that there is a medium issue here where it's a little bit like people yeah. see, see it as a medium, like, oh, it's not a print thing. It's on a computer. So we think we associate it with gaming. But I think especially as we start to read more and more, like I read some books on my computer because I just get them in a different format. And I'm like, I don't feel like Mm -hmm. trying to like make this into like something that will go on my Kindle. Um, But that's still reading a book. You know, it's not like not reading a book because I'm reading it on the computer. So I think there is like something about that too. Yeah, if you wanted, I I would, I guess it really comes down to again, if you really wanted to put this in your reading journal, I totally think that's fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're you're getting a similar experience, especially um, one glasser wrote in saying that there's a certain visual novel game that has like 100,000 words or something in it. And they were like, I read, you know, I I feel like I I read more than a book when I was playing this game. If you want to count that and you want to feel like you have, you have, uh, you have read, fucking go for it. Like, don't, 
don't, don't, you don't need any external validation for this. If you feel like you're getting that same experience and you want to track it along with the other types of books that you're reading, fucking go for it. Yeah. Fucking do it. Yeah. Don't let anyone, any book snooze tell you no. Um, me personally, again, I don't think, I, I think I kind of am in alignment with, uh, with the general consensus of, of the very small amount of people I talk to on Twitter. Uh, I, I would, to, I could totally see this counting as reading if you want. I don't think I would count it put it in my like general book section. Um, right. But I, I think if you wanted to count this as reading, you totally fucking could. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I'm sure we're going to get a lot of opinions on this episode. You can send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we solve a reader problem, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Dipsy. Sometimes doing less can lead to so much more. Dipsy Stories believes in less analyzing and more feeling your feelings, less stressing and more easing into things, less scrolling and more savoring the moment, less pressure and more pleasure. That is a great tagline. Ooh, less pressure and more pleasure. I do love that. What a wonderful way to live. Bria, what is Dipsy? Y'all know we love Dipsy. Dipsy Stories is an app full of sexy audio stories, and now they even have brand new written stories. So close your eyes and let yourself get lost in a world where only good things happen and pleasure is your only priority. Explore your fantasies in a safe, shame-free way. Yeah, we love Dipsy. If you are maybe interested in erotica or romance, but you don't know where to start, or you are a ravenous romance and erotica reader and you are running out of stuff because... We know that romance and, and erotica readers are the backbone of the publishing industry and they read more than anybody else does. Dipsy is perfect for you. There are hundreds of stories to choose from. They release new content every single week. So there's always more to explore. You're not going to run out. And uh, there's there's so, there's so much. I mean, there's stuff that is a little more on the vanilla side. There's stuff that's very kinky. Uh, that That's our particular favorite thing about Dipsy is that you can really search for your sexy wheelhouse whether that is, um, you know, people with sexy accents or, you know, stories about returning home and hooking up with your childhood crush or, um, I don't know, a sexy firefighter. Like, whatever you're looking for, you can find it on Dipsy. You can search for sexy wheelhouse items. You can search for different narrators if there's a narrator that you particularly like. You can listen to all their stories. It really is an app created specifically for the the needs and wants, uh, the desires, if you will, of romance and erotica readers. They're absolutely fantastic. And for listeners of the show, yes, you glassers out there, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash glasses. So for a whole month, you can try it out and listen to all the stories you want and read all the stories you want. And uh, it's free. So that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash glasses. That's dipsystories.com slash glasses. Glasses. Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say? It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They've reviewed TNG, DS9, and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. Well, if she enjoys that, and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Why, I oughta... Well, gotta go! 
Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today. Time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Roxanne writes in, I travel a lot for work and live in a small space with my boyfriend with not much room for even a small library. I love the idea of leaving physical books in places for someone else to find. One of my favorite movies about reading is Orange County, and I love the scene where the main character leaves his favorite book on the beach hoping someone will find it. I don't really have access to little free libraries, and I'm almost exclusively in airports and hotels when I'm working. Do you think there is a better way to do this so it's seen as a fun surprise and not littering or being in inconvenience. Bria, what do you think Roxanne should do? Um, I love this. Um, I, I was just in New York and we were exiting my friend's building and there was a stack of books on the stairs clearly designed for taking and he took one of them. Um, so I think this is the method to go for. I don't think you can leave your favorite book just on a beach. I would consider that a dirty beach book. Like I would see that <laughs> and go... What? I a that. dirty beach book? What do I you mean? I'd be like, what is that sandy ass book? Who littered that book? <laughs> You can't just leave a book on a beach. I actually have never seen Orange County, but. <laughs> dirty beach book. Look at that dirty sandy beach book. book. So, um, okay, here's what I would say. Putting them somewhere where people pass by and it's clear what they're for, I think is the key. Just leaving them on the beach to be covered in waves, not a great idea. <laughs> to be reclaimed by the sea. Yeah, to be, to be like picked up by a seagull and made into a nest. Um <laughs> Uh, so I would say, I, I realize, um, that, uh, Roxanne, um, only the airport and hotel is a little bit tougher, but I think putting them in a box that says free or a little post-it that says free in front of your house or apartment is very much, is an easy thing to do. I think the labeling is going to be key here. Like I would never just pick up a book I saw on a subway. I'd be like, that book is Covered in, in who not, well, I would actually not even assume germs. I kind of would be like, is someone coming back for that? Yeah, that's really the thing for me. So like airports, you can't just leave something at an airport because people are going to assume it's a bomb. They will tackle you. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. I would say hotels, maybe your better bet is like leaving it in the lobby with a little free. I know I've been in some hotels that have um, bookshelves designed for this where people can leave it, like especially like international hotels. They can leave little books like in the lobby and stuff. But um, I think the better bet is going to be my – I have some neighbors that do this in in, in, um, in my neighborhood where they'll just leave books. And it's very clear they're for people. And I think they even put a little free sign. But you can also just tell from the way they're laid out all pretty like on their – on like right where their house yard – house yard. Yeah, their yard like meets the sidewalk. You can tell they're like that's what they're for. Um so, but I think the labeling is important and the presentation, you know, yes, maybe. Yes, I agree. I don't know. Do you have a specific way Roxanne can do this? I mean, I don't know about an airport. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I do want to say it's not like Roxanne's leaving books like on a rail railway track or like on the hood of someone's car or like in the middle of the sidewalk. So like right. I wouldn't worry too much about littering. It's not like she's just like tossing it behind her as she walks and like hoping that someone finds it. Um, I do think, I, I, I'm with you. I'm thinking the hotel lobby is better uh, because... 
Um, I just think it's if you're be in an airport, lost and found though. Like I've worked. Well, in let me let me service. let me finish because I okay because I think uh, you know obviously it would be great if all these places had like a universal like book leaving zone. Sure. Um, but in the airport, I do think that you run the risk of someone grabbing it and tossing it, especially in an airport. Oh, and like a, yeah, they and are in a hotel. Yeah, militant about yeah. well, not even in, more so in an airport, just because they're so like, oh my sure. god, an unattended item sure. must be a. Must be a thing. Yeah. Throw, like I left a, a jacket in a in an airport bathroom for fifteen minutes. I came back and it was already gone, yeah, already they, taken they by lost and found. It. <laughs> yeah, they like shot it into fucking space or something. Like, like don't leave shit in an airport. Yeah. Um. So I think I if 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 Roxanne's in hotels and airports all the time, I think the best place would be a hotel lobby. But you got to put like a post-it or a sticker on it that says "Read me" or something. So whoever picks it up knows it was intentionally yeah. there and not because you forgot it. Because I feel the same way. If I saw a book sitting somewhere in an airport, in a lobby, on a train, wherever, um, I would just assume someone for like left yeah, it behind, I'm not take and I'd it. be like, "Oh no, this person forgot their book. That's such a bummer." And I would like put it in a lost and found, or I just wouldn't touch it because I'm a germaphobe. I think the labeling here is key. So Roxanne, if you're in a hotel a lot, I mean, you can always just ask them like at the desk, "Hey, do you have a like a shelf for for people to leave books?" Um, but uh, if they I don't, your, I think your better bet's gonna be like a coffee shop or something, like the, yeah. rather than a hotel. Because if there's not like a specific place, I will say I think if you leave something in a hotel, they're gonna put it in the lost and found. Yeah, yeah. Even with no, a I note, think a cafe because yeah. I I do I, some cafes I've seen do have um actually a cafe that Jeremy and I were just in recently had a little shelf of um of books. Mm-hmm. Leave a, it was like a leave a penny take a penny, but with yeah. a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that a cafe or a coffee shop may be the better bet than like the hotel or airport. Um, I, I just also, don't want Roxanne I'm, to get arrested by the airport police because the, she's left an unattended book. And I also feel like someone working at a hotel desk right now is going like, please don't leave more stuff in my hotel lobby that That's I have I was to thinking deal with too, later. Because like, it, it's one of those things that in your mind, you're like this cute protagonist of a of a movie and you're leaving an adorable book behind that's going to change someone's life and it like cuts to like a very disgruntled hotel employee that's like oh I gotta pick up more fucking shit yeah yeah who just throws it right in the garbage (laughs) yeah (laughs) right like absolutely dumps it immediately so um yeah maybe a cafe would be better just a place that um I I I, Bri I think you and I are united in in the way that what, wherever you end up putting it, the intention needs to be clear here. And I think the intention might not be clear in these other places. Yeah. So you got it. You got to um, Yeah. You got to label. Also, uh, just a random idea. I know we've, we've had people write in and talk about um, book clubs where people just mail books to each other. Roxanne, maybe you need just like a book pal mm-hmm. to mail books to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of ways to get rid of books that you really like, but yeah, check out. I, uh, I'm sure, you know, I, I don't know where you're traveling, if it's domestic or internationally, but if you see any cafes or, or, or places that, um, that seem amenable, look around and see if you can find a little uh, spot to put a book. So if you want to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Now let's answer a recommendation request from Danny. I was wondering if you could recommend a novella or collection of short stories. I've had to read a lot of heavy nonfiction lately and need something that I can escape into every now and then. My wheelhouse includes self-help, although I'm not looking to read any more of that at the moment. Moms, women who are sick of this shit, magic, transformation, and art. Thank you for having such an awesome show. Bria, what should Danny read? I'm going to give you a novella, but I would encourage you to go look at all the Tor.com novellas. They release many every year. They get nominated for many awards. There's so many I haven't read. And they 
they come from a diverse group of authors, and a lot of them are have magic. A lot of them have a lot of female protagonists. Um, I think you're going to find some more stuff you like there. Um, I know I must have a good, like, mom-related novella, and I could not think of one for the life of me. So I'm going to go with The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Lavelle because I love Victor Lavelle. Um, and it's got occult and magic stuff in there. Also fun New York stuff. It's just a really great little novella, and it will introduce you to this world of the Tor.com novellas that I think um, is always a great escape for me when I'm doing something that's heavy and I'm like, I just need a short-ass book. Like, give me something <laughs> that I can get in, get out, and, like, the plot is not too complicated. And the nice thing about a novella is you got to, like, dive in head first. Like, it's like they get to that plot really fast, and I appreciate that when I'm, like, doing – I need to get my mind off of something else. So try The Ballad of Black Tom, um, but definitely I feel like you're, like, these. Willy Wonka, but instead of cho- instead of just chocolate, you walk in, and it's just, like, come with me, and there's a whole room full of Tor.com novellas. Yeah, it's so true. It's so, it's so true. But I think this is a good starting place one. Uh, what do you have for Danny? Um, I am going to recommend my favorite short story collection of all time. Danny likes magic, transformations, and women who are sick of this shit. Danny has to read Get in Trouble by Kelly Link. Um, I'm obsessed with the short story collection. It's just my absolute favorite. It has been for years. Kelly Link is genre blendy in the same way that Ray Bradbury was. Like, she mixes fantasy and sci-fi and horror and literary fiction and mystery, like, all in the same collection, sometimes even in the same story. Uh, This is the first short story collection I ever stayed up late to finish because I loved it so much. Uh, So there's just so much stuff that Danny loves in this. And um, I think that uh, Danny will get a lot out of it. So that's Get in Trouble by Kelly Link. Mine is The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Lavelle. And if you want us to answer your recommendation request, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy Reading Glasses cool stuff at our Void merch store. We got stickers. We got totes. We got mugs. We got shirts. We got sweatshirts. Bria is right now, at the time of this recording, wearing one of her Void merch sweatshirts. It says library user on it, and it is very cute. Uh, you can get yours right now. There's a link in the show notes. And if you want to help us you want to support us you want to do it for free right at the top of the show we told you how to rate and review us on on apple Podcasts. you can do that right now it'll take you less than a minute that's even shorter than a novella it's shorter mm. than a short story mm-hmm. it's shorter than microfiction one single minute you can help us get more listeners get more advertisers it means the world to us um, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast. On Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.